needed in this lead role is you needed an action star that had the charisma of a, a shred of it. Like, literally the smallest <laughs> possible fucking bit. That's all you needed. You needed uh, an action star like an Arnold or a Sly or, or something like that, where it would have been at least something. But he, again, he all of, all of his dialogue is delivered in the same exact monotone, flat. He's got the same flat facial expression, delivers all of his lines in the same flat voice. It, it's just, there's just no literally no effort and when he's not putting any fucking effort down on the screen i don't know why i should put any fucking effort in watching it the epic film guys podcast Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast, guaranteed to be better than any Chuck Norris movie has ever been. Get me one of the Chucks! Get me one of the Chucks! No, not the Bronson! Get me the Norris! (sighs) Finally, ladies and gentlemen, finally, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Uh, My name is Justin. I'm one of the co-hosts here on the Epic Film Guys podcast, and I am so happy that our listeners, our followers, our fans finally voted for a Chuck I Norris so movie. I am so disappointed in every yes. single one of you. Yes. Everyone, you could have had more Bronson. You could have had more Bronson. You could have had the American Ninja sequel without Dudikoff. Granted. <laughs> oh yeah, because people want that. You could have had Brooke Shields in Sahara. Okay, but no. Okay, I'm, I'm down with some Sahara back. You gave us Chuck goddamn Norris. So, Well, Nick, for better or for worse, whether you like it or not, oh! Invasion Invasion USA is one of the most popular, most beloved canon titles. I mean, it until 2007, it was MGM's second highest selling home video title only behind Gone with the Wind. <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's Are a huge claim listen, to fame. I, I, guarantee I mean, I would you, put Invasion USA and Gone with the Wind on the same plane of quality. I guarantee you, Bill Kristol and all the other neocons, like they have, they probably have secret bunkers built out of just nothing but DVD cases of this movie, and they give them away at neocon parties where they hate everyone who talks in a funny accent or has other than white skin. Well, we'll get to neocon zing. Listen here, listen here. Now, um, in some other gigantic film news, we have to touch on this right out of the gate in the opening of the show. Um, We lost one of the most prolific and important film composers in the history of cinema. Yeah. Ennio Morricone passed away at the age of 91. Blaisos, I'm not sure. I didn't even I didn't even want to know what it was. Did he just die of old age or was it from COVID or? He was, I believe he was, was 91, so he died yeah. of being 91. That's, that's what I that's what I thought. I mean, literally, I mean, unless the headline was like, you know. Oh, if, I, if I, he I, had died of COVID, the headline for sure would have mentioned it. I, you know, just just saying. In honor in honor of, of Morricone, I threw on probably what is, you know, the film that has his favorite score of mine. Granted, I haven't seen a lot of the, you know, Spaghetti Westerns and a lot of the films that he did scores for. I'll grant you that, but uh, just in in tribute to Ennio Morricone, I threw on Once Upon a Time in the West, which, of course, Justin, I discovered for the first time back during Bronsember, 
which I think we have yeah, to do that baby. again. I think we have to do it every single year now from now forward. Like when, the, when it's December, it's nothing but Bronson movies. Fuck whatever movies coming out. I don't care. Bronson, nothing but Bronson. And you know look, what? Look, we're going to yeah. strap Paul from the countdown into a chair and we're going to make <laughs> him watch every single one of them. I haven't heard it yet. I don't think they've released it yet, but I'm a patron of the countdown. And as a patron of the countdown, you can submit a film to them to watch on their show. And I submitted Death Wish 3, and Paul sent me a tweet, a message, that he was apparently not happy with me. Because he doesn't recognize the greatest, you know, action movie or anything ever made, literally ever. He can't possibly claim to be an action fan if he's not a fan of Bronson. I responded with the gif of Bronson grabbing the rocket launcher and blowing the creep out the window and that face he makes, like... (laughs) But, I mean, Morricone scored so many iconic movies you very rightly so nick with, with you stating that once upon a time in the west is one of my Love favorites that movie so um, iconic you know, so you know, brilliant but i mean for me at least one of my favorites of his uh definitely a little underrated for palma's the untouchables i absolutely love his score on that and then obviously most recently his work with uh, tarantino in the hateful late such a beautiful score there um boy sauce anything any favorites of yours or i think an underrated Morricone score that doesn't get brought up nearly enough, uh, probably because the movie's absolute garbage, trash, is The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. I knew that was coming. But his score is really effective for that film. Um, And he just was the Western. I mean, when you think of Western, you think of Spaghetti Western, you instantly hear that, uh, that, that, cue from the good the bad and the ugly absolutely i, I mean it's yep. indelible it's yep. it'll it'll live on i've never forever. seen the movie and i know that and there will never be another one like him nick you need to watch the good the bad and the ugly <laughs> keep quiet <laughs> make it a priority but um but yeah i mean we really did we lost a legend yeah i mean and it was really heartwarming to see someone that's so cold in john carpenter actually on social media today coming out it is a tribute to him posting a photo of them working on the thing which morricone also scored um he scored it as john carpenter because his score sounded like a john carpenter score um but just you know talking about how great it was collaborating with him and what a legend he was and you know just hearing from people that actually worked with the man. I mean, he, when you look at his filmography, it's decade after decade. He started in 1960, basically, and was still working on stuff up until this year. So 2020. So 50 fucking years worth of music. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, you've heard his music. If you watch movies at all, you've heard his music. Period. Or even aware of movies a little bit. Yeah. I mean, literally. I mean, that's how iconic some of the music in his movies really, really is. So, I mean, rest in peace, Ennio Morricone. Just, man. Just, I mean, there. It, well, you met, you said it the best. There will never be another like him. Absolutely will never be another like him. I mean, what an absolute master. Yeah. Absolute from, master. From a different era of film composing film music writing i mean you name it but he, there are he many ch- there are many composers modern composers who were inspired by him and have modeled their sound after him yeah but he can't be replicated 100% i mean he he transcended and basically you know progressed with every decade he never got old his music was always fresh and always different and always special so there it is for marconi 
tribute to you, man. Rest in peace. Have a huge body of work to go back to and listen to. So, In other non-movie news, in EFG fitness challenge news, uh, as of today, so I'm 18 plus miles into the challenge. I've dedicated myself to doing 80 miles instead of the 40 that I'm challenging a lot of people to. And a lot of people are crushing it. If you still want to take part, all you got to do is 40 miles between now and the 27th, which is my birthday, including taking part in the virtual 5K, which is going to be on the 25th, virtual 8K, sorry, not virtual 5K. Do not do three miles, do five miles, or I will find you, Brad from the cinema guys. But uh, yeah, head over to the groups, facebook.com slash groups slash EFG fitness challenge. That's all one word. And get in there you can post and you can you can check in every day and i try to post motivational things to to know keep everybody going you know even if you have a bad day even if you don't hit your distance one day dust yourself off the next day get up and do it again it's absolutely amazing seeing you know just so many people taking that commitment like actually making that commitment for their health wanting to make sure and wanting to make a difference for themselves and for their health it's absolutely amazing and it's it's something that well, as you know, Justin, I'm extremely, extremely passionate about, you know, do you realize not this week's show, but next week's show, the day that it releases next week's show will be one year of hashtag drop the sugar for me one year. Wow. Which is crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I was thinking of that last night when I was eating those giant Reese cups with the Reese's pieces in them. You're so full of shit. <laughs> I legit ate them. I did. Loy sauce left. Me. I went to Wegmans and I was like, I'm eating this. So I can't I, vouch for this. Well, no, you guys, you'll have to just take my word for it. You'll have to either believe me or not believe me. But no, man, like see, literally. Even, see, here's the thing. Even if Justin <laughs> did eat them, no one would fucking notice. But if I like I can't eat them because I'm going to set myself back by whatever and whatnot justin can get away with sneaking in some 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 well some flexible the cool thing is is i mean after you get to the point you want to be at flexible dieting is is definitely a a great option for some people if they can manage it if they can handle it some people can some people can't um and this is you know always my nutrition advice to whoever's asking is you have to find what works for you what you enjoy doing what's balanced, what's healthy and nutritional for you and your body and your goals. Um, It's very specific to you as the person, but it It has to be something you like. If you don't like what you're doing, it's not going to last. It's not going to work for you. You have to love it. And I mean, I've been spending a lot and I mean a lot of time baking and a lot of time in my kitchen creating, trying to do things. I'm I'm just loving making homemade bread so much so that I don't want to ever buy bread again. Just because store-bought bread's just jammed full of shit anyway, so I would much rather. And dude, make homemade bread's—I so, mean, so much better, anyways, right? It's—I mean, number one, you can you can literally take it out of the oven, and I've done it every time I've made it. But you take it out of the oven; it's nice and hot. You just rip a piece off of the end, and you just no. There's nothing like fresh, fresh Look at bread. Sauce. He's drooling out the oven. Loy sauce just dro- came a little, I think. He's drooling over here. Loy sauce has been cooking some meals, but he's too scared to post That's in the reserve seating group. He's Get too in there, scared. Do it. I told him the to post. He's been cooking meals. I must admit, I have been cooking, and I have totally forgotten about posting my meals to reserve seating. You're so fired. I apologize for that. Get I out. know, I know. Um, but I have quite the collection of photos that I can share to the group, and uh, I will. And I'm proud of what I've made so far. Mostly, it's chicken dishes because I've discovered that there are many ways you can 
make chicken. So like, many ways you can make chicken. I have chicken's to good. Chicken. In the in the words of the Bronson from Death Wish Three, chicken's good. I That's like right. chicken. That's right. It all circles back. Everything circles back to Death Wish Three. Paul, you son of a bitch. I can't. Everything I just... circles back to hashtag canon. No quarantine, <laughs> quarantine, quarantine, and that's right, baby, because we're about to jump into Invasion USA. Thanks to you, you picked it, you voted. There was no way anything else was going to beat this, and thank the movie gods for it because we needed some Norris up in this motherfucker. It needed to happen. How are you going die? That one sound drop in there is better than the entire runtime of Invasion USA. Boo! Get out of here. So, the 4th of July has passed, but we've still got some fireworks left over. So, God fucking damn it, Loisa. Dear listeners, put on your finest denim, crack open a Budweiser, and prepare to salute to Invasion USA. My uh, God in heaven. Once again, I have to point out the original poster tagline to this. Um, it, it reads thusly. No one thought it could ever happen here. America wasn't ready, but he was. But he was. <laughs> Which really tells you all you need to know about the movie. Um, if you asked a computer to write the script for an 80s action movie, the script that the algorithm would produce would look virtually identical to Invasion USA. <laughs> That is that is correct. <laughs> of course, a computer did not write Invasion USA, but something just as cold and emotionless did. Chuck Norris co-wrote the film. But um, after developing the story with his brother Aaron, that story involving—and you'll probably be shocked to hear this—a group of foreign terrorists invading the USA, <laughs> and and literally the only thing that stands in their way is former Special Forces agent Matt Hunter. Um, this was the first in a six-film contract that action superstar Chuck Norris signed with Golan and Globus after the success of Missing in Action yeah, and I Norris can't Reunited. Wait to see, I can't wait to see the intensity and energy that he brought to the other five films if this was his effort on the first outing. That's right. Um, well, yes. So um, this also reunited... Norris with Missing in Action director Joseph Zito. Um, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. I always have to get that in there because... We have to bring this movie yeah. up at every opportunity. Of course I can, <laughs> and I will. And yes, Joseph Zito, I, you know, say what you want about this movie, Nick. Whatever you want to say, oh, but I as will. far as an, an action picture, I think Zito is a great action film director, 100%. And a great horror filmmaker as well. Yes, so, um, yes. Justin... I would like for you, please, if you may, if you if you care to, uh, please describe the opening scene of this motion picture. Well, there's a, a group of a bunch of refugees on a boat. They pull up to a boat that has an American flag on it. And they're like, oh, hey, we're saved. Now, listen, I watched this movie with subtitles because I was still working while I was watching it again for a, a review of the movie and the subtitles just said, you know, indistinct Spanish language. So I, I didn't understand anything they were saying. I don't speak Spanish, but um, yeah, 
a bunch of bad guys on the American boat literally mow down and blow away every single innocent child and person on that boat because there's some cocaine on it. That's how the movie opens. It opens with no sound. It's dead quiet. And the two boats meet and they literally just like machine guns drawn. Like there's a fucking chain gun on the boat and they blow away this entire boat full of innocent people. And what's what's revealed about uh, the Amer or the the seemingly American? They're Coast Guard. not Americans. That's right. Um, so let's get this out of the way. Uh, we've talked about the xenophobia of '80s action movies in *Canon Quarantine* before, but but this film is especially egregious in that category. It basically posits that if you're not 100 percent red-blooded american you're a terrorist <laughs> because like even the refugees at the beginning of the film aren't innocent because it's revealed that they're smuggling cocaine into the country and never is a connection made between the drug smuggling plot that they introduce and the invasion plot so why bother introducing that element other than to pander to the to the conservative mindset of they're bringing drugs they're bringing crime they're rapists and some i assume are good people um the that's, kid's fine. It's just there's a nice young little boy on there that seems fine. And they don't make him out to be evil. It's he not gets like murdered. He, it's not like he's flipping around a fucking switchblade with a scar above his eye or anything, you know? <sighs> oh, goodness. Well, that is the mindset that this film occupies. Um, Nick. <laughs> you, here we go. Look at his face. Just look at it. Look at his face. What did you uh, think? About Invasion USA. I fucking hated it. <laughs> to the surprise of no one, listen, my disdain, and I, and I I, will repeat that, my disdain for Chuck Norris is very, very well known. I cannot stand the man in any way, shape, or form. He's a terrible actor in literally everything I've ever seen him in. He delivers all of his dialogue with literally the passion of a bottle of fucking mustard. Like he is just like across the board, terrible in every sense of the word. And that like lack of enthusiasm. That's why I say like, I can't wait to see all of the excitement and energy that he brings to the other roles that he did for Canon. If this was what he does the first time out of the gate, it's so lifeless and devoid of any energy that no matter what Zito tries to do. And I'm not going to say that there's not some good enough action stuff in certain points of the movie, but it's all sucked into this giant fucking black hole of charisma. That is Chuck Norris because he's giving this film literally the, less than the bare minimum he's giving this film so little fucking effort he may as well be fucking asleep this is one of the worst performances i've seen in a canon movie yet and that transcends even outside of canon movies like i n will never for the life of me understand how the fuck this goddamn gigantic pile of garbage is famous for fucking anything he is a reprehensible dickbag fuckface well, then, I can say why, because the movie opens with our introduction to Hunter. Norris looks like the most pure badass with his beard blowing in the wind on an airboat with his cut-off jean shirt and his trademark karate-type blue jeans acid wash pie. All up in that ass. 
and he has a pet armadillo. That makes him automatically the coolest motherfucker. Uh, he also he also spends his free time wrestling gators with his bare hands for because real? he's fucking Chuck Norris. For real, that's actually Chuck Norris lifting up that gator. That's that's not a fake prop or that's not animatronic. There's no CGI in Invasion USA. Boy sauce, that was real. A real animal. Very impressive. Um, so to Nick's point, I mean, <laughs> Matt Hunter, who, as I mentioned, is ex special forces, or is he special forces or CIA? They never. They only say the agency. I don't think they ever name what the agency is. So I would imagine it's some kind of whatever. It doesn't matter. So he. It lives, doesn't matter. No, he, it doesn't. He, he lives in the Florida Everglades. Um, he has a friend, John Eagle, who runs an airboat tourism business and that's about it as far as characterization goes for our protagonist uh matt so hunter he did get more than dudikoff got last week in american ninja uh well at least at least dudikoff well that's arguable because at least dudikoff has some kind of backstory that we learn matt mm-hmm. hunter is a character of staggering shallowness the film gives you absolutely no reason to, at all to root for him except for the fact that he has white skin and the guys he's fighting have brown skin um, hold on hold on fucking what did i just say about how cool he looked okay action heroes they went out of their way so the imagery of this action hero is iconic they went out of their way to find the right look the right outfit he's got the dual uzis in his hands but but justin what is his character it doesn't matter he's an on-screen superhero it's a cartoon dude so they knew they knew that they had chuck norris in the lead role so they knew that they had to give him literally the least amount of work possible because if they tried to give him any and i mean literally any kind of character lifting or anything where he had to deliver a line of dialogue with even an ounce of energy or enthusiasm or conviction or anything that it would fall apart. Everything would fall apart. You need literally the blandest, biggest piece of shit you can possibly cast in a major motion picture to star in the main role. And that's why they shove Chuck Norris. Listen, if if you want to compare action movies Just as an example, look at John Matrix in Commando. Very little backstory. The only thing you have for character is his daughter, which is very strong in the opening of that movie. It's something. But the difference between the two is Arnold is a gigantic, you know, slab of charisma on the screen, while Norris is not. So that's the difference between the two. But as far as action movies of the time, um, Norris is given pretty much the same thing that most other action movies were given. Except less. (laughs) There was was a lot more backstory. Apparently, as we know, when we talk about it every week, you should have a sound drop for this, just for director Brennick on the soundboard. You're going to say it enough times anyway, so. It's a canon movie, so we know <laughs> Golan and Globus went in and tore up the fucking script. They went in after they saw the final product of this movie, and they did edit it down to focus more on having more Chuck Norris on screen and then having more action. So it would just cut from action sequence to action sequence. That's what which they makes, did. Which makes you wonder. I mean, this this film is pushing two hours already. I, I think this movie is way too long already. So the fact that they had more footage of 
supposed character scenes and story scenes that they then removed. How long was this movie? Like three hours? See, I I'd think say this two is hours. one of those things where I think removing they, – they didn't remove enough. Like they removed – all the character stuff, but then you can't have an action film that's nearly pushing two hours with absolutely just zero character to it, literally whatsoever. You absolutely well, I gotta can't. say, though, I got to say, though, as well, um, as an action picture, even though we see that amazing opening of a bunch of innocents getting brutally slaughtered. Yes, I enjoy <laughs> that. That's 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 what I like to watch on my Sunday we evenings. Know. But. There's there's not a good action set piece or anything for quite a while. Like it's very slow I think for the first 20 minutes of the movie. So that's 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 one of the things that I always thought this movie it, it hurt it a lot. Well, the structure of the film is is frustrating. Like there's nothing connecting one action scene from the next. There's no connective tissue and it takes forever for things to get going. Um and because you you certainly don't care about any of the characters there's no it, it's just it's so threadbare in terms of its uh, well, of hold on, any kind hold of on. what's the armadillo's name does he have a name is it arnie Cause, cause I don't I know. care about him. Okay, I yes. Care about the him armadillo is the only <laughs> thing I felt even a modicum of emotion towards in the entire film. I'm just saying, I remember when you and I saw the movie at Alamo when they played it in theaters. Um, when the armadillo lives after the huge explosion, how happy the the two of us were. We were very excited when he he like you know runs out of the house and watching him tumble down the stairs is just so adorable. I I. I, I feel genuine affection towards Aww. that armadillo, which is more than anything I felt towards any of the human characters. But um, mo moving past that, um, we are also introduced around this time to our villain, Mikhail Rostov, played by Richard Lynch, um, who is a Russian guy. Yes. Who, okay. Question mark. <laughs> Is it's, he, it's, but he speaks, he speaks. He speaks German. German as well. Yeah, he's he's a, he speaks German and Russian. So thank thankfully I put on the subtitles for this because it would say indistinct Russian chatter or indistinct German chatter when he would talk in certain scenes. So I'm like, okay, so he's both. Apparently Got he's it. both. So he's vaguely foreign. That means he's evil. Um, <laughs> so like when we see him right away, he is pretty ruthless. Um, he walks in, he, you know, he barges into a room where a woman's snorting cocaine on a table and he slams her head dude, against he the slams table, causing the face. straw to be forced up her nostril into dude, her brain. so hard. Dude, that's the makings of the perfect anti-drug commercial. There's your anti-drug campaign in the 80s, baby. Just that scene from this movie. Because you'll get thrown out of a fucking window if you do cocaine. There it is. See this scene. He also shoots this a dude in the was dick. Great. Yeah, he shot he shot the dude in the dick, which was great. He smashes her face into the into the cocaine thing and then throws her ass out the window. This scene was really, really great. I don't want to say it's because Chuck Norris wasn't in it, but I mean I'm gonna draw that correlation <laughs> a lot as we go through the as we go through the film. But yeah, that scene like he was great like they had a lot of good scenes and I mean when they toss out all the character stuff all you really have is scenes of Chuck Norris which god but then all you have outside of that is just scenes of him plotting ruthless things where like 
you know, like, well, we'll talk about all the different scenes, I'm sure, but like where the one where he's in an American neighborhood, the prototypical American suburb where he's got a rocket launcher and he just starts blowing up people's houses just kind of because after the little girl comes outside and puts the star on the Christmas tree, you know, like, like all those kinds of things, like tries to plant a bomb on a school bus, tries to plant a bomb at a church, like tries to attack like, like children women like you name it like they really do go out of their way to make him a really really ruthless and and really hateable bad guy it the only problem is he's in this movie and his opposite the protagonist is chuck norris who's again delivering literally every scene in this movie with all of the acting prowess of a goddamn paper bag i was gonna say a pickle but paper bag is don't you suitable. dare shame pickles like that okay i love pickles but that's i just picture him being 100 i, I, 100%, I agree with pickle. you <laughs> i think i think richard lynch is actually very solid in the movie he's got a very menacing look he's to great him. he's very scary looking and he's giving a solid performance he's i mean he hams it up in scenes but he's at the, the same best time thing you can tell movie, he's none. definitely taking the role seriously and and putting as much menace into his character as he can uh, I mean, regardless of his ethnic background or wherever they were going with that, I, he has that look in his eye when he's about to fucking blow something up with a rocket launcher, which he does many times in the movie where you're like, this dude's taking this shit for real. Like, he really wants to kill all these people. He's a ruthless, brutal dude. Fuck off, you son of a bitch. I do not need your fucking nonsense page. Just 2,600 followers. You are a real asshole. I have a Batman page with 56,000 followers. You can now go fuck yourself. First of all, learn to respect the vision of quality movies. Oh, give me a break. Phoenix is an amazing actor, yet a motherfucker says, that's not the Joker. That's a guy who lost his shit, dressed up like a clown, and slapped the namesake on himself, and you like his comment. Fuck off. thing that makes Rostov's character distinctive is that he is, as we all should be, absolutely terrified of Chuck Norris. He even has nightmares about him. Yep. Yeah, he does. Which is a great scene, actually. I loved that scene where he's about to 
again, like what Rostov loves to do, he loves to blow stuff up with rocket launchers. I love that. that that's his weapon of choice. He doesn't fuck around with handguns or knives. He's like, nope, I take this rocket launcher literally everywhere. I put it over my shoulder. I take it, you know. Basically, when he goes to eat at McDonald's at lunch, he brings the rocket launcher. It's you know, like his you, best friend. You know, friend. one of the other frustrating things about this movie, too, is though it's it's not even Chuck Norris's like performance in the scenes, but it's also the way that that character's written. What what in this movie, gentlemen, is a threat to him ever at all? Ever. Well, that is nothing. also a problem. With a trash can. Nothing is the answer to the can. question because every single bad guy that he comes across, <laughs> he immediately dispatches them, kicks their asses, blows them away, whatever. He is never in like legitimately any danger in this movie whatsoever. He basically is a fucking steamroller over the bad guys. Like as soon as he shows up, he just mows through and destroys all of them. They never even like can barely even lay a hand on him. Like it's I, it's it's terrible action hero writing because they don't even like even if you want to give us a great villain, even if you want to give us a great villain for him to fight against and for and for him to go against, you don't ever actually threaten this character like this character like you never even doubt for a second the way that they write this character and the way that they shoot this character and the way that Norris plays the character never doubt for a second that he's going to walk into a room literally own every fucking dude in there blow them away kick their asses whatever and walk out unscathed that's this whole well, that, fucking movie well that's the thing I think the, the fundamental element of a dramatically exciting story is having your characters particularly your protagonist struggle at some point yeah which so he never ha does have hunter get sweaty or, or you know out of breath or have him get injured or something to add to the threat or and give raise the him stakes. something to his character that the bad guy can threaten and then try to take away or does take away like you know like if or he has him a make house in the everglades like maybe he had a kid and the kid gets blown up, and now it's a quest that, for yeah. revenge. And I, like, I, I see where you're, that I see where you're going with That's that. all you need. It would have been like a two-minute scene. Like we got, again, in another Dudikoff film earlier in Canon Quarantine, which the name of which is Escape. Avenging Force. <laughs> Avenging Force. Avenging Force. Literally, like... That's, you, they, like literally, they gave him two minutes of setup with his sister at the beginning of that movie. I can't believe I couldn't remember the name of it. And like, his friendship with Steve James. And his friendship with Steve James. Like that's all, all you needed was something, something to give this character some kind of stakes. In fact, when this character, like this Russian, you know, the big bad guy who apparently he's had run-ins before, he's had a history with him, comes back, he just kind of flatly is like, no. Like, he's not interested in it at all. And then, then when he finally is like, fine, I'll do it. Like, fucking. Well, well he's, okay, oh, we have to talk he, about that scene, he's too. He's frustrated because, because he's like, you should have let me kill him when I had the chance. There is no cliche left unturned in that scene. The scene you've seen a million times before that's been parodied to death is when his friend um, or, you know, his associate or whatever. Um, his whatever. Comes, his, comes to him at the house and he he tries to convince him to come out of retirement. And and Norris is reluctant to get back in the fray. And the, the friend says, we really need you this time. And he even says, at one point, he says, I work alone. It's like, do you not understand the threat of hundreds of terrorists invading the U.S. that you're going to work alone on this? Um, well, there's even a, there's <laughs> even a callback scene to that later on because he randomly like there's an action sequence, whatever, and then it randomly cuts to this like plague fair or like this carnival or something in the middle of the day, which has already been attacked by terrorists, and like 
he, like the the guy says something to him. He's like, you got to catch him or, or something like that. Or you can't save them all. And he's it, Norris has some line where he's like, didn't help these kids. And it's like, yeah, but you were the asshole at the beginning of the movie that was like, I work alone and I'm doing all of this. Meanwhile, like, again, it's one of these kind of logical things in canon movies that whoever writes this shit just doesn't think about <laughs> the way the world works logically. Like there are how many troop transport ships that show up and dump hundreds of guys onto the fucking beach. Like, there's clearly a massive, massive thing, like, going on in this movie. There's clearly, like, this massive deployment of some kind of terroristic threat or whatever. There's basically nobody cares. Nobody cares. Chuck Norris is on it. Fuck it. Chuck Norris is on it. Only the military shows up, like, at the very end of the movie in, like, the last action set piece, and that's it. Like, that literally legitimately this it. Whole, this whole idea that America is unprepared for this kind of threat is is pretty laughable. Um, and I, it's pretty, pretty pretty realistic if you look at today's today's America. Bullshit. Yeah. Th- those fucking guys would have showed up at that bar and like, started <laughs> shooting somebody. And Ten guys would have pulled out something and blown them away. No, 100%. You're right. Um, I mean, listen, you, you know who wrote it. This was written for Norris by Norris and his brother, and it's written to showcase him. It's his first outing, big action hero. Of course, he wants to shine. Of course, he wants to stand out. This wasn't his first movie. He had been in movies prior to this. He had been worked with Bruce Lee. He had he'd done a couple movies leading up to this because a Code- few years ago, I watched all of his movies. Code of um, Silence is a good movie. Yeah, I like Code of Silence, actually. Um but and I I like this movie a lot. I think it's a fucking blast. I think it's one of Canon's best action movies they ever did. Um, but I I agree with all of your criticisms of the writing. I just don't care. I'm like, cool. He shoots people. That's why I'm watching the movie. Well, if we had just said that, then this episode would be over in a matter of ten minutes. I mean, <laughs> there's right, a lot everyone. to. <laughs> There's a lot to appreciate, certainly, with the action. And there's, I mean, you could make that argument of what's the point in dissecting any of these movies? No, it's no, no, just no, 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 no. action I'm, I'm man not, not shooting terrorists. I'm not saying anything against dissecting. That's what we do. We are the epic film guys. My I'm problem just is, is it's, a, it's, a, it's an intersection of not only bad writing, but also literally one of the most laughably bad performances that we've seen in this entire canon series. We've seen a lot of bad performances from a lot of just piss poor actors, but none on the fucking level of anti-charisma that is fucking Chuck Norris. He legitimately, all of his lines are delivered with the same exact flat monotone zero energy he just the, well, he's literally the, sleepwalking through this fucking performance the part as written does not require any actual acting yeah because he wrote it for himself because he knows he's a talentless piece of shit right but if <laughs> but if an actor had been cast in the role of matt hunter who had any kind of charisma at all it would have made the film really fun to watch i'm not saying the film's not fun to watch necessarily but it would have been more fun to watch if you had someone else Besides Chuck Norris, who is truly the wettest of blankets, he never once smiles. He never once shows anger or fear or sadness Literally or amusement. Literally no emotion whatsoever. The, the Terminator shows more emotion than Matt Hunter. <laughs> I'll tell you what's fun. Family's putting up Christmas decorations. And terrorists driving movie, in everyone. into their most remote suburban neighborhood. Put these explosions on your fucking Hallmark cards, you ignorant American bastards. <laughs> this is this is what Christmas is all about. Can Murder. I put the star on the tree? 
And the cool thing about this, um, because when I watched the movie for the first time, I was like, whoa, Canon fucking, you know, fit the, they paid some good money for this because they're blowing up real houses. Apparently, there was a neighborhood set for demolition due to expansion of a Hartsfield Airport runway, which is nearby. Uh, so the Atlanta Film Commission allowed Canon to blow up those houses for real. That's why they legit blow up those houses. For me, this this scene is always near and dear to my heart because nothing says Christmas like rocket launchers and families running away from their homes in fire and terror. Um, and children I, being murdered and dying in a fire explosion. Dude, it's literally a bad guy's wet dream thinking about going into a neighborhood with a rocket launcher, just aiming it nonchalantly at every house that you want to and blowing up the houses. Yeah, which again makes him scene. an exceptionally great villain like it really really amps up him as a villain like but he's again he's the one that's flexing all of the charisma like he shows emotion he gets angry he runs the gamut of emotions like he's like all over the place it's great you also have to wonder what the terrorists end game is necessarily i guess it's just to create chaos and to create just like wherever they go just destruction but like I, I, th- I love the fact that they don't attack any major. Like they don't attack the Pentagon or our nation's capital. Like they just fall up in a suburban street and just open fire on suburban households. Like I don't know. It's just uh, they don't. Their plan is not uh, anything big or uh, anything to the scale of a cataclysmic world-shaking event. As Justin pointed out, I mean, there are a lot of really impressive explosions in this thing. There's an explosion practically every scene. Uh, we didn't even talk about when, well, I mean, we mentioned it when Rostov and his cronies attempt to assassinate Hunter, they blow up his house, which, by the way, was a dump to begin with. Who would want to live in a dilapidated shack directly on a swamp? I mean, what does it matter when you have love, when you have a best friend that's as amazing as. An armadillo. And John really Eagle, I guess, the, so the, the terrorists killed John Eagle, so I guess it's personal. John Eagle's now. a likable character. They introduce him, and he, you know, basically talks shit for, like, all of 30 seconds, but you're like, hey, I like that guy. He's a nice guy, and he's been in a bunch of other movies, so you kind of feel for that. Like, oh, I don't want to see John Eagle die. And John Eagle actually shoots one of Rostov's henchmen, who looks identical, identical to Charles Bronson, but with goggles on. The dude literally <laughs> looks like Charles, like... Put him in there. He looks like Charles Branson. Shoot him. <laughs> Kill him. Blow him away. Oh, uh, yeah. And the terrorists themselves, as I mentioned, I'm not exactly sure what their plan is other than just to blow shit up. But I also just don't know where they come from. I guess they come from Cuba. They all come from Cuba to Florida. And they just come in landing boats and just... Um, <laughs> but there are Asian terrorists. There are Arab terrorists. Yeah, they literally chuck terrorists. somebody of every... Every like ethnicity, nationality, whatever that you can imagine in there. To, so you really get a good melting pot of everything but white people. It's right. It's perfect. a melting pot of terrorists. Exactly. It's like we've got to make sure we check every single box here because we can't just – if you just make it one – like if it's just like Muslim terrorists or if it's just like Hispanic terrorists or whatever the case may be, then you don't blanket hate everyone. You've got to make sure that you drop in at least there's got to be some Russians in there. There's got to be some Europeans. There's got to be some Asians. There's got to be some 
Arabs. There's got to be some black people. There's got to be a smattering of everything. And that's that's the thing with this movie. I mean, I, I, I would write it off as just like fun, breezy B-movie trash, but there is an undercurrent of just like hateful... Ness <laughs> that yeah, because bothers it was me. written like, by Chuck Norris, right? So I mean, the whole movie is the, is is fear mongering garbage, basically. Where it's like, you know, caravans of hundreds of foreigners are invading our shores. They're going to arrive on boats en masse and storm our beaches and just start opening fire on innocent Americans during Christmas. No one's safe. They're going to try to blow you up while you're in church. These are bad, bad people. You know, so <laughs> telling you, these are probably Bill Kristol's nightmares. I'm telling you. <laughs> Don't forget, though. I mean, these were these were fears that a lot of Americans had in the eighties. I mean, we did. I mean, throughout many decades, we a lot of Americans had those fears, and I think Norris and company were preying on those fears with the script and trying to engage some kind of tension with the villain aspect of it. And yes, terrorists are fucking scary as shit. And this is before I'm not saying all the terrorists serious terrorist attacks. A real threat, and I'm mm. not saying that foreign terrorists don't exist and obviously there yeah, have been I mean, movies made m- about most of them most of the, the the big impacts we've had from terrorists to our country have been foreign people that have actually attacked us however you know we had people like the unabomber who was one of the most prolific fucking terrorists in history and he was just like a fucking you know wilderness lover white dude you know the whitest dude in the fucking world so and an american so it, it really depends um but I'm just saying, I'm just, within the, within the context of of the '80s when this movie was made, it was a very common, you know, common thing that a lot of Americans felt this way. Certainly, and I understand that, but I'm not going to say that that's a okay, especially because of just how like um, nakedly xenophobic the whole thing is. Um, it's not even it's not even one specific nationality or one specific threat. It's literally all foreigners literally. are going to storm our beaches and and murder you and kill you and rape you and uh, like it's just so anyway. I mean the I mean well I mean up until that point who 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 would we fought in wars and stuff other than the civil war? I mean we we fought we oh, other than the, you know the civil war whatever. I'm saying I'm saying. There are threats, both foreign and domestic, that we have had to, you know, we have had to combat in our, in our history. Of um, course we have. Is, but again, it's all about context. It's all about how you portray these things on screen. And I don't think that Invasion USA portrays it with any sort of sensitivity or grace. Or- as, it, as, it, as it shouldn't, because it's a fucking popcorn superhero flick with Chuck Norris at the center killing bad guys. It's not meant to be taken seriously. So I guess I shouldn't even mention then um, the misogyny of this movie as well. No, I mean, I mean I'm pretty <sighs> sure every canon movie has that too. I mean... The reporter character, is that even supposed to be a character in this movie? Because she's... They introduce her, and she's promptly forgotten about. I think her character must have been expanded upon in the original cut, and they just deleted her scenes. And I guess they thought they they needed to keep her in the movie because you need to have a lady in the movie. Because if she weren't in the movie, there would be zero, zero female characters. The funny thing about her character is, too, is, is she randomly just shows up 
at different points in the movie just taking <laughs> pictures of stuff. She's just there. That's what I'm saying. There's really no explanation of it. There's it just it, it she's just there. She's just there taking pictures and then she just randomly will call Chuck Norris cowboy a hundred times. That's her he entire saves her character. Life. He saves her life multiple times, and she's so mean to him. She says, like, thanks a lot, cowboy. And I'm like, yeah. you just saved your life. Once Did again, the Canon, films, yeah. uh, the Canon Films School of Screenwriting for Women, this time written by Chuck Norris, who's probably never touched a vagina in his life, but that's beside the point. Uh, no, probably. You're talking about way, Chuck Norris here. Probably yeah. way more than all of us combined a million times over. But no, I mean, 100% correct in that uh, sentiment there. Uh what a thankless role. <laughs> why, why even put her? I mean, again, I, we don't know what the movie was like. Not that we're saying it'd be any better, like what the, the full cut was with maybe her character had something oh, to do. Yeah, I'm sure I don't she know. Did. Maybe, maybe uh, whatever. If it's like two extra scenes and there's a little bit of dialogue, it's more than what she fucking got here. That's what I'm saying. I assume. I'm sure that, that Chuck she... Norris wrote a super meaty role for her and they just ass- couldn't fit it in. I assumed that she was set up as like the love interest for Matt Hunter. Um, but then but since that's he, has, never... he has no chemistry with literally anyone or anything, they were like, <laughs> holy fuck, this is a terrible idea. He has chemistry with two Uzis that he wields at one point. Well, yeah. um, they can't show that's him very fucking true. those, Loisas. There's a part where he... Um, well, well, first of all, throughout the entire movie, he, he just, I guess, just like the reporter chick, um, just knows where the terrorists are going to be at any... Yep given time also, there's one scene where he's trying to get intelligence and he's interrogate trying to you know, interrogate someone to find out where they are um but they don't tell him where they are and he leaves and then in the next scene he just shows up and i'm like oh i guess he found out i guess he's psychic he just knows where the terrorists well, are gonna well, be you're, you're led to believe he's spo- supposed to be some kind of special forces like spy special ops guy whatever the fuck and in any movie where our main character is of that realm we're led to believe they, they they have special ways of finding out of things about people, and I'm being led able to believe to find that Chuck people. Norris couldn't write his way out of a wet paper bag, and it shows. Give give some hate to his brother too, Nick. If you're going to keep mentioning because they wrote it he, together, he wrote the fu- his brother wrote the fucking story. Norris and somebody else wrote the fucking screenplay. So it's there. Norris then, and whoever that other guy is. Yeah. And mention um, the other name. I don't then. have God the IMDb up in front of me, and I hate this movie so much that I don't care to fucking look it up. Well. The the lines in this too, the dialogue is incredibly simplistic. Ugh. They try to give um Matt Hunter some like one liners. There <laughs> I I ultimately, I mean, admittedly, I do love the line, if you come back in here, I'm gonna hit you with so many rights you're gonna beg for a left. For a left. Yeah, that's a great line. And the other guy is just like, Oh yeah, and then he runs out of the room. <laughs> oh yeah, and then and then like they bring up like the the biggest Mexican bodybuilder they could find, and he's just that like, "Dude's huge! Oh my what god! What are you gonna do now, tough guy?" Yeah, and they literally, like, they literally k- went kicks and the found fucker the through biggest, the door, the biggest, buffest, like most slab of meat, like, like you know, man meat they could possibly find, just to have Chuck Norris kick him, just to show us how much of a badass Chuck Norris is. That's right. Well, the, the kick looked good, though. He definitely definitely planted that kick right on the chest. But there's also a line where Chuck, Chuck Norris just says, it's time to die. And I'm like, who wrote this? <laughs> I don't care, but I like that, too. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I think I'm moving along to another scene that I like because whatever. I, I'm here I'm to talk about another scene that I like. Crickets. Crickets. I'm not even wasting the soundboard on this piece of shit. <laughs> Then don't. You can leave the review if you want. 
I can. Go ahead, Justin. One of my favorite scenes is the mall scene. Yeah. They drop, drop a bomb in the middle of a mall. They had to have had some kind of budget for this because they have tons of extras in, in an 80s mall. I love 80s malls. Super nostalgic there. They were able to completely destroy this one, too, because it was also yeah. about to be torn down. Um, so, of course, you have Chuck Norris just crashing a truck through the middle of the mall. Um, I guess you should be thankful that there are no pedestrians Innocence. around. Yeah. Uh, but but what follows is a pretty solid car chase, I think. Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Like th- this pe- this portion of the movie for me, at least, is the most enjoyable as far as being an action fan. It's where it picks up for sure. Yeah, the shootout in the mall is great. You see a lot you know of why? random people Chuck getting Norris blown away. Them because that is clearly not Chuck Norris clinging to the side of that truck. No, he did his own stunts. Nope. He did that. That does himself, not look like actually. Chuck Norris at all. It's him. Yeah, I think there's a lot of well directed action set pieces in this. I. I That's what I'm saying. As as far as canon movies go, this has some of the largest scale uh, set pieces than any of these movies. Um, The the school bus scene, I mean, the setup is very corny. They load up a school bus full of young school children who are being led away to safety. And the terrorists uh, attach a bomb to it. And Chuck Norris, of course, has to um, get the bomb off and save the kids. Um, This is pre-speed, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. So, well... Yes. I mean, speed is light years away from anything that this movie accomplishes, but um, it it is for what it is on its own. It's a great set piece. So, um, Justin, I'm right there with you, even though I have lots of problems with this movie. Obviously. You didn't have lots of problems with it three years ago when we saw it in the theater. You walked out and you had a blast. I did have a you blast. There's a, lot, there's a lot in this movie that is very fun. Um, there's really impressive staging of later on in the movie of like an all-out war in the streets with tanks and military and lots yeah, of it's, extras. It's, and It feels it, a lot bigger than a typical canon movie as does. far as scale and size. And I mean, they had full-size tanks in the streets with an elaborate blockade setup. Um I looked into that because I was like, wow, they actually put money into this thing. (laughs) Apparently, you know, Golan and Globus saw an early cut of the movie before they shred it. And they said, you know, we like what you see. Here's two million more dollars. And Joseph Zito was super surprised by that. So he put it into more action stuff. And, you know, when that's the movie you're making, you're going to put it into more explosions, more people getting blown away. Well, it shows, too, because a lot of the canon movies we've reviewed, the budgets have capped at like $1 million. Reportedly, the budget for Invasion USA, $12 million, um, which is huge for canon. And you can see, yeah. it, on, you can see it on the screen. Um, you can't really see it in the performances or the writing or anything like that. But as far as the action goes, it's all very well done, in my opinion. Um, Going back to the story, I, I guess, um, there's a part where Matt Hunter's arrested for some reason. Because um, he's you, the vigilante. He's the vigilante of the movie. And as the cops say, you know, I forget the line or whatever, but it's basically a line out of a Death Wish movie. You know, no no one takes the law into their own hands in my town. But is he a vigilante? Because Western the CIA motif. recruits him for this the whole job. Thing, the whole thing fucking smacks to me. But it's it's his plan, remember? He has a plan because he can't find the terrorist, whatever the fuck his name is. He can't find him. Rostov. So he comes up with this plan to have himself arrested and taken to this location where it will be publicized on the news where he's going to be taken. And that's how he ends up finding him there. Like, that's ah. how that's that's why that whole scene is in the movie. 
I mean, then, it, it doesn't guess, really set that up or explain it that well. So it's just kind of, you're just like, what? Like it's, the, it's cause here's, here's the thing is like, there's no TV cameras in that scene. So it doesn't make sense for like the cops to bust in and be like, Hey there, Mr. Vigilante, we're going to get you. All he has to do is just be like, Hey, um, just take me to this compound and then put me on TV. And this guy, like I'll egg him to come here and he'll come here. Like it doesn't need this ridiculous setup of arrest me and call me a vigilante because who is it for? It's not for anyone. We, the audience know he's not a vigilante. We know he's working for the CIA and okay. Maybe the cops don't know because like whatever no agency hasn't them. told them, but they definitely haven't told them again. Again, his plan is to get arrested and get sent to this compound where this governor's meeting or whatever is happening. So that way he can be like, like lure the bad guy out. That's his and, whole yeah. plan is to do and that. And it pisses him off but again, because when you see the, the scene, scene of him watching for it. no one because again, it's written by Chuck Norris. So he has literally no fucking talent whatsoever. So it's just this <laughs> garbage scene of, all right, we're going to get right. you, Mr. We, Vigilante. For like, the it one just billionth make any time, sense. we heard you, Nick. We heard you, dude. We heard you the first billion I'm going to say it times. 10 more fucking times too because it's terrible. I, ho- I hope you Utterly take the time to edit yourself out of it. And I may have missed this. Jesus Christ. But does he escape somehow and then somehow manage to find an arsenal no, of weapons? You don't see it. You don't see no, where he how, just because I, his whole plan again is to get taken to that compound where the CIA has all the stuff set up for him or whatever agency. But then how does he escape police custody? Because that's the, they take him to that place, don't they? That's where they take him to. I guess. It's just there's not no, there's no escape scene, Lois Loss. If that's what you're looking for, because I was thinking the same thing. Like, Man, I've watched this movie a bunch of times. Nope. Zero. Zip. That's what I got he just out of makes it, because that was his there. plan, was to get yeah. caught. It, oh, like even the though it Joker. doesn't get caught for what? It doesn't make any fucking sense. But it, He's like a criminal said, mastermind. All he has well, to yeah, do it, is literally, yeah. you could have saved us 10 minutes of screen time. All he has to do is just go to the compound and be like, hey, take me here. Let's lure him out and let's catch him once and for all. The end. But it lures out Rostov because you see the scene of him watching the TV footage of him, you know, calling him out. He smashes the TV. He goes out. And that's where it leads to. We might as well get there <laughs> to that end confrontation, which we kind of touched on a few minutes ago with all the tanks in the middle of the street. It's a big war zone. All these people blowing each other away. And they're in that big building. And that's where we get their final showdown, which <laughs> say what you will. Um We've talked a lot about final showdowns on this show with movies recently. And I think it's a solid showdown i think they play cat and mouse pretty well um rostov's definitely not any match physically for hunter as far as any kind of fighting he gets his ass whooped constantly which you know whatever it sucks but that's what you expect yes because chuck norris wrote the script there i I said it too i have to disagree i mean i think here as i said there's a very um large scale all basically all-out war um, going on outside and then inside they're just kind of wandering around an office building i think here is where the film kind of runs out of gas a little bit because um well it's also the the problem with it is too is the is the story outside the action sequence is outside which i'll give the film the credit there you said that you could see that money on the screen lois and you're correct that all-out war in the streets with like the military and the terrorists fighting back and forth and all the explosions and the rocket launch that stuff is great and then it cuts back inside of the building and it's just like a <laughs> It's just a goddamn snooze fest because, I mean, again, it, it goes back to the fact that that Norris's character is not in any way threatened whatsoever. Like, as soon as they have a physical altercation, like, he, he just he just kicks his ass. He just literally well, and, straight up kicks his ass. And if they had mentioned to – if they had managed to ratchet up the tension, 
um, or or have Hunter make a different facial expression other than stoic. <laughs> like I'm serious. He just like Norris is Dude, just look at the poster. Look at the poster because we have the image up on our while we're we're that's, reviewing this. That's that's, that's the, face the face he makes. He makes the, whole the movie. entire movie. I agree with that. He definitely does. He so has no range of emotion. That's the anchor that if drags Hunter, this whole movie down. Like even even if he had tried like a little bit. I'm not saying he needed to look scared, but maybe like he what he's not sure where Rustoff is hiding. He's like looking all around. He has it he, like he's like quick movements around corners or nothing. He's he's just walking through an office building. Like it's just so flat. Dude, and- maybe maybe you know we mentioned the Terminator having more charisma than you know the Hunter character in this. Maybe he watched the Terminator right before this. Was like, I'm going to play it like that. You know, like a machine. I, that, that's how it comes off to me. And I, 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 I do agree with Nick as far as Norris has never been a good actor. I know that. And that's part of the enjoyment in me watching this, knowing he's not a good actor. For some reason, Cannon thought he had a lot of charisma. He's great at like on-screen fight scenes and shit like that. He must appeal um, to – he's a hugely popular star, so he must appeal to a lot of people. I think it's just because of the martial arts stuff. I mean, that's that's got to be it. I can I can acknowledge that. I can review it. He knows how to shoot, you know, Uzis with fucking blank bullets in them the whole movie. That's cool. But I, I can see where you're coming from as far as the ending losing steam a little bit. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty decently done. They're playing cat and mouse a little bit. But at the same time, there is no real tension because we know Chuck Norris is going to win. We know this bad guy is just going to get the shit kicked out of him, which if I guess in the, if, in the long if run. If Rostov had like shot him in, in the side or something or grazed him. In the him, arm or something and he like was, that. He was wounded. Injured, and- yeah, or to wrap his arm up or something. Or yeah. Like, yeah, you know, something. If they have the fight and like he gets a jump on him and, and knocks him down and like he's weakened or literally anything to do but anything to if- threaten Norris's character. And and I mean, again, that's the problem is there's just, you never for a moment believe that this character is in a lick of danger from anything. I half expected him after he, you know, blew him up a la Death Wish 3. I half expected him to go outside and like pick up one of the tanks and throw it at the terrorist. Like that's how like unbelievable like the the writing for his character is in the movie like there's just there is legitimately no stakes in this movie and and and, and i think that that's well there's stakes but well, not- I, I just don't i don't feel them though and i think that that's the problem i don't feel them because his character is never he's your protagonist he's your audience surrogate he's everything in this movie so you as a viewer if you want to connect to what's going on if you want to understand or if you want to get into what's going on you need to feel that through his eyes what do you feel through his eyes and walking in his shoes in this film that you're an unstoppable badass who's going to mull through any terrorist no matter what you're going to destroy him all roundhouse kick him in the fucking face end of movie like you never ever ever feel threatened stay cool bird boy a laundry service that delivers wow what killed the dinosaurs the ice age my name is freeze learn it well was the chilling sound of your doom. Is the party over? I find that unlikely. Winter has come at last. They're the harbingers of your doom. You are not sending me to the cooler. I've come to make your life a living hell. The Iceman cometh. I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. I hate when people talk during the movie. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. 
Your emotions make you weak. That's why this day is mine. <laughs> Tonight, hell freezes over. I'll kill you next time. Freeze well. If revenge is a dish best of cold, then put on your Sunday finest. It's time to feast. Their bones will turn to ice. Their blood will freeze in my hands. another movie that I'm going to compare this to, like even John Wick. So John Wick is an unstoppable killing machine, but you understand his character. He's had tragedy. He's had, um, and he has charisma. He also gets his ass beaten a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think Norris's ego is what prevented that from coming across in his character. Any kind of flaw, any kind of, even having him sweat a little bit or, or, be, like, Dude, even going back to not to even going back to when I mentioned John Matrix from Commando, yeah, literally the you know the movie Superhero. that so many other movies tried to rip off. He gets his ass beat. He gets knocked out. He sweats. He gets sliced. You know, he gets shot at. He gets you know hurt a little bit here and there. And it's fucking Arnold. It's John fucking Matrix. You know what I'm saying? So I I, I totally see where you're coming from in that respect. It's just written a little bit too hard, a little bit too seriously. They needed to make the character lighten up a little bit and and have a little bit more personality. It is his first outing, so I know no one's going to give him like any kind of you know pass by that in that measure. But, um, I, but I, there's but, other movies that he does that are that are action movies after this one that I think he shows that he you know <laughs> kind of learned how to show a little bit more personality on screen maybe not much more but just watch fucking walker texas ranger he's way cooler in that fucking hate i've watched texas ranger i've watched many a rerun of walker texas ranger walker texas ranger is like a live action door of the explorer it's literally the exact same plot every single episode literally the same exact plot beats every time but nick you get to watch chuck norris you know spin kick old men Let's knock out a 70-year-old. So, Nick, um, talk about the ending to this movie. How, how, does, how does Invasion USA end? The exact same way that Death Wish 3 ends. And this movie came out literally a month and a half before Death Wish 3 did. So, yes. Well, I mean, so how does Death Wish 3 end for the uninitiated? Well, bad guy gets 
blown out of yeah, a fucking he, he, window. He, Norris Norris turns around with his bazooka and he fires and he blows up the bed. Although I will say I did very much appreciate when the like the, the like the, the wall explodes. Like in, in Death Wish 3 you can't see it. Like I don't know if they ever even intended to do it. It's just like an explosion, like a blown out wall. In this there is like body parts and chunks and like blood sprays and shit. Like you definitely see like parts of you this. You see his dude. head. You see his head, like you just see like random body parts and shit flying out the window. I appreciate that Zito, I think. on some level. I wished it was Chuck Norris's head flying out the window, but you can't have everything, <laughs> I guess. And then what happens? The end. Literally the end. <laughs> it it literally comes to a shot of Chuck Norris and then credits. I have a question for you, Nick, real quick, because obviously we're finishing up this review very quickly here. If this movie had been the exact same movie, on paper, all the action, all the character stuff is exactly the same, but you switch out Chuck Norris for Dudikoff, how do you feel? Uh, which Dudikoff are we getting? Are we getting American Ninja Dudikoff or are we getting, you know... Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the I middle. I mean, probably the same because Dudikoff would have... Dudikoff just... Unless the script gave Dudikoff any meat, like we saw what Dudikoff is capable of in American Ninja when you don't give him anything to do either. He's just as bland, just as flat. So you would have gotten the same movie out of him. What you needed in this lead role is you needed an action star that had the charisma, a, a shred of it, like literally the smallest <laughs> possible fucking bit. That's all you needed. You needed an uh, action star like an Arnold or a Sly or, or something like that, where it would have been at least something. But he again, he all of, all of his dialogue is delivered in the same exact monotone, flat. He's got the same flat facial expression, delivers all of his lines in the same flat voice. It, it's just, there's there's no, literally no effort. And when he's not putting any fucking effort down on the screen, I don't know why I should put any fucking effort in watching it. Simple as that. Well, are these your final thoughts then, Nick? Yes. Fucking for the love of God. Nick had his final thoughts and like his first two lines. Pretty much. Of I could cut all my other lines out for this whole review and just let you and Justin's dialogue. No, just honestly, be I, I'll give you credit. I've given you some shit during this review, which is necessary. I have I mean, to I do, do so. I do very but, strongly dislike Chuck Norris as a person anyway, but that's not I don't take that into a movie. I went into this movie with an open mind, hoping that I would be really, really surprised. But the longer I watched and the more the more it was literally just him stone faced delivering lines with just absolutely no life or energy, the angrier I got because I was just like, this is seriously the amount of effort you fucking gave this thing. A movie that he wrote, he had to have cared about it at least somewhat. And I've seen Chuck Norris like do different things where he laughs or smiles or does literally anything, anything emotive. And this character just has nothing. I mean, he has a cool outfit. God damn it. That's wicked memorable. And he drives a really cool truck and stuff. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were thinking. I don't I mean, Of course, that's what they were thinking. What am I talking about? It's a canon movie. Voice sauce. You already know how I feel about this thing. I've already kind of splurged all my feelings on this thing. Uh, Go for it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm landing in the middle of you two. I mean, I think that this movie is the that special blend of 80s action movie gold and uh hateful fear-mongering propaganda. <laughs> like there's a um there's a show on Adult Swim that I really love starring Tim Heidecker called Decker. And that is that show is very much a parody of that paranoid, 
Reagan era jingoism and extreme militarism that so pervaded movies like Invasion USA. Um, and I, I love Decker very dearly, but that is a parody. And this movie, it, 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 the tone is so self-serious that occasionally it circles back around to being cartoonish, like a parody of itself. Um, so I like it in in that manner. Um, despite, you know, kind of the wall-to-wall action on display, the film's not consistently entertaining because you don't care about the character. Um I mean, the premise is ludicrous and there are just long bouts of boredom that you have to wade through to get to admittedly some amazing action sequences, moments of sheer joy where I laugh because it's um, either awesome or uh, children are put in danger and many children are put in danger and also die. I mean, this film's unbelievably violent to see a kid get decapitated. Even for action movies of this ilk, it's extremely violent. Um, according to IMDb, the body count is 129 people die in the span Only of this 129? Movie. Apparently so. Only 129 that you see. Yeah, we don't know how many people were in the houses that were blown up, uh, except for the one house, which we know the little girl gets out of. So we, we can only really count a few bodies in that one, yeah. And we know this is happening the world over, so... Uh, Chuck Norris only happens to be, you know, he can't be, I guess he can be everywhere at once because he is superhero and he can do no wrong. And um, the U- United States does not require any other avenging force other than Chuck Norris. So, um, uh, but like eventually it just becomes numbing because, because there's only so much cold blooded murder and shooting and destruction in an action movie we can take. Um, in, no, in, I, that's, that's not true. I, I can take it. Oh, well, I mean, like I said, it's pushing two hours um, and I don't think that the movie is necessarily um, it's not necessary for it to be that long. You know, it was, there it, are some no, it's definitely for, not uh, like when I checked the runtime, like I automatically expected because a lot of the canon movies, especially lately that we've been reviewing, have all been like 90 minutes. And I saw that this one was like 147, an hour 47. I was yeah. like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, what on earth? And then I was like, okay, well, maybe that, that, there's a actually, lot of extra yeah. stuff packed in here. You never know what's that's in here. That's fairly long for any action movie during that period. That's overly long compared to any action movie from 85, I'd say. Exactly. And from what I heard, or what I've researched, apparently they shot the movie and Golden and Globus loved it so much. They loved what they saw that they gave the filmmaker, uh, Joseph Cito, an additional $2 million and more time to shoot more scenes and more action. Um, so that's probably why it feels a little overstuffed with action and no, no connective tissue in between. Um, I, I will admit though, there are some spectacular stunts in this things get blowed up pretty good. Um, and I think the film is well worth watching just for that alone. I do enjoy watching this movie. I've watched it several times. Um, but if we're going for sheer entertainment value and, and just a movie that makes you feel feel good while you're watching it. I think Avenging Force, which is what's supposed to be the sequel to this, um, wherein Michael Dudikoff plays Matt Hunter, um, Chuck Norris did not return. But I think that movie so far in our canon quarantine journey, that is more enjoyable to me than this movie, uh, as much as I love it. Uh, I mean, Chuck Norris can go fall down a well, though. (laughs) I got no problem with Norris at all. 
not at all whatsoever because I'm looking at these things as movies. I don't care what they do in their personal time. That has nothing to do with the movie for me. Oh, no. So, uh, I, again, no, 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 separated okay. from Chuck Norris as a person, whatever his politics are, that's fine. As yeah. an actor, he can also fall down a well. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me. He kicks people cool and he looks cool <laughs> when he shoots people. I don't care. He's an action hero. I don't give a fuck. Seriously. And I'm glad to be that one voice on this show. I'm very proud of that. I'm glad that I've swallowed so many things as part of this series so far, but no, no, it's okay. I I didn't expect Nick to walk into this and walk out excited or be a a, a Norris lover or even remotely say, hey, I could watch another one of his movies after this. You never know. People are going to listen to this. Our fans, our listeners, our followers, any other Chuck Norris movies come up on the list. They're going to vote for them. And, and listen, Nick's an honest guy. He's not going to omit those movies just because he doesn't want to watch nope. them. He'll They'll put them there. on there for you to choose I them. If I could have omitted see. this. I could have been like, yeah. no, I don't want to watch this. Well, you knew this one was a big one on the list. A lot of people have been asking for this one. So this is a beloved film in the canon canon. Again, like I said, this movie sold more movies, home video for MGM than any other movie other than Gone with the like Wind. I, said, it's, it's I a told huge you favorite. There, there's a neocon bunker somewhere where all the neoconservatives meet up to talk about how much they hate everybody who's not white and American, where it's just built out of, you know, probably VHS, not even DVD, probably VHS copies of this movie. (laughs) Again, I am proud to own a DVD copy of this movie in my Canon DVD collection that I incidentally, incidentally, I got at Walmart. (laughs) So there you go. I won't even shop there, but. Dude, the movie deals with Christmas time and people getting blown the fuck away while they're putting up Christmas decorations with their family members. That alone is enough for me to be entertained (laughs) and be happy with what I'm seeing on the screen. That's all I'm going to say there. But next week, no hashtag canon quarantine, ladies and gentlemen. Because, Loisos, what are we doing? We are celebrating the 10th anniversary of Christopher Nolan's Inception. The review will land on the 10th anniversary, July 16th. So next week on the show, make sure you tune in for that. I have not watched Inception in quite a long time. So I'm really, really, really eager to watch that movie again. It's one of those movies like when it came out, I probably saw it in theaters three or four times and I burned a DVD copy of it out, like just watching it over and over and over and over love that movie so i cannot wait cannot wait to revisit that hashtag canon quarantine will return the week following with of course a poll that you listeners will decide what wins even if it's a chuck norris movie god help me uh over in our fan group the hopester stumpster over on facebook what were you gonna say loisos i was just gonna say you were talking about watching inception over and over and over again i cannot say the same but i'm excited to revisit it for sure get out (laughs) i like the movie a lot (laughs) literally how many movie trailers do that nowadays have done it for the past 10 years all of them thank you so so much on simmer yeah Oh, my Lord. Can you retroactively, like, can you love a thing originally and then retroactively hate it? Because it's like bullet time for The Matrix. Like, it got so overused by so many things. It just became like, oh, God, this again. I think it's possible to appreciate where it originated from. I think it is, too. 
I think it is. So yeah, that's coming up next week on the show, ladies and gentlemen. And then again, hashtag Canon Quarantine is going to roll on into the into the future until either we get tired of it or until theaters reopen or until we figure out something that we want to replace it with. We'll try to hit all the rest of the big, big Canon staples. I guess we kind of have to look through their filmography and really figure out what we haven't covered. Aside from Superman 4, which we have already talked about years ago on the show now, but... If, I mean, there's plenty of Bronson movies we have not talked about. If I have to fucking watch Nuclear about. Man again, I will probably go nuclear myself. But those fingernails. The fucking man, fingernails, man. Oh, yeah. God in heaven. You know, there was a whole other nuclear man in that movie, but they cut it out. There were two nuclear men, and they cut out the first one entirely because Superman, like, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't perfect or whatever, and then they created the second one. There was literally a whole other one in the movie, but they cut it out. Wait, are you trying to tell me, Nick, that... There was something that wasn't perfect with Superman 4. I'm sorry. Rest for peace. I'm so sorry. I know. I know. There was, you know what, in in, in picking movies for Canon Quarantine, there was a a movie that Christopher Reeve did for Canon, some movie where he's like a cop or a detective or something, but it came up in the poll, could not find it streaming literally anywhere. The movie basically doesn't exist unless we buy like a physical copy of it somewhere so i had to vhs i'm sure i had to cut it out of the list i don't even remember what it was called but i was like oh cool a christopher reeve movie and then i couldn't find it streaming anywhere and i was just like (sighs) i'm I'm pretty sure it was actually the re-roll that gave us invasion usa too so thanks christopher reeve for nothing (laughs) hey that's not his fault it's partially it's it's nuclear man's definitely nuclear yes let's blame nuclear god damn it if you do not tell me where she is i will hurt people (laughs) That's still one of my favorite scenes in that movie that, that he stands oh there God. in the street attacking people and Superman literally just stands there and he goes, no, the people, but does nothing to stop him literally <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Lord. Oh, man. Canon, everyone. It's That's a right. canon so, movie. Thank you so much for listening this week and thanks for hanging out with us every week for our Canon Quarantine series, along with the awesome retrospectives we've done on such movies as Batman Forever, last week's I Am The Law, Judge Dredd, and everything else we've been doing. We've really been appreciating uh, all you people downloading the episodes every single week for following us on social media. Listen, if you like what you're hearing, please head over to iTunes. You also hate Chuck Norris. Get it in there. You could say that too in the review, but leave leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> yes, if you hate Chuck Norris, go to our iTunes just to say so. Please do so. And if you haven't followed us on social media, boys, I'll tell them where they can find us. We are at Epic Film Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also join us in the filthy, filthy dumpster, our fan group Blech. on Facebook. Gross. The Hopesters Dumpster, uh, which can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash Epic Film Guys, and you can hang out with us there and chat about movies or whatever else. We're there. Justin will post random news about, what the fuck was that movie you posted a picture of today? Dumpster something? What the fuck even is that? (laughs) It's a movie that the Hopester directed. It's his directorial debut. I just, I, I saw that fucking picture and I was just like, I can't even watch whatever the hell this is. They like to call oh, you'll the watch Hopester. it, all right. That's probably- if the hopes are directed, you'll have to. He'll no be upset if you didn't. No more questions. <laughs> I just, I, I, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, please follow us on social media. We love you. We really, really appreciate you tuning in, gentlemen. We are barreling down on two hundred and fifty 
regular episodes. We've done way more in terms of actual recordings, but 250 main run episodes for the Epic Film Guys, which seems amazing to me. Don't even know. I mean, we just hit five years, and, and, and you know, we're only going to continue going onward and forever upward, even if I have to soldier on through any of the other Chuck Norris movies and Canon's goddamn film library. Just think of it. It's been five years, and you only just had to watch a Chuck Norris movie with me as your main co-host. You're lucky it took this long. I'm so disappointed in every single one of you <laughs> who voted for Invasion USA. <laughs> but I know, I know that you did it to spite me. <laughs> or they love you. Or they did it because this is a popular beloved movie. Seventy percent spite, thirty percent beloved. <laughs> Fair. One hundred percent beloved spite. They wanted Lois House to enjoy it. They know how much he enjoys children in danger, and that there is are plenty of scenes. one hundred percent true. Children may be blown up to smithereens. Children get blown away by machine guns in this movie, so it's definitely in the something opening they... scene. A young yeah. child is gunned down mercilessly. I'm sure you had plenty of socks in hand and ready to go. Get them bitches wet. <laughs> Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so, so much for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. Again, don't miss next week. And uh, something maybe on Monday? Something maybe on Monday. Actually, yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something will come on Monday, too. I'm not 100% sure what yet. So make sure you're subscribed everywhere you find us, all over the web, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're out there. We're everywhere. So, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. Thank you so, so much again for tuning in. Until next time, we will see you at the movies. Good night, everyone. Chuck Norris rules. Rules.